Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 63 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today made his debut in the Pure Title Tournament last year, and he made an immediate impact by knocking off two-time former Ring of Honor World Television Champion Silas Young. He's been one of the hottest performers in ROH as of late, and he will challenge Jonathan Gresham for the Pure Championship on ROH TV this coming weekend. He is the savage weight, Fred Yehi. Fred, welcome to the show. Hey, what's good, man? Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's great to, to finally talk to you. I think you and I have uh, have never really crossed paths. I think um, we may have met very briefly at a Maryland Championship Wrestling show a few years ago, but I, oh, wow. I think it was maybe a handshake in the back and, and uh, <laughs> in the back of a, a locker room, and that was probably pretty much it. But <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because you were one of the hottest stars on the independent circuit when the pandemic hit last year. So uh, obviously that affected your career. I think indie wrestlers probably, as far as the business is concerned, probably took a bigger hit than, uh, than anybody. Uh, but to what degree did it affect you? Because I, according to my research, I, th- I guess you were home for maybe four months before you started taking bookings again. Is that, is that right? Oh, yes, that sounds about right. Maybe five months would be more okay. accurate. Um, <laughs> I mean, it affected a lot of people, man. A lot of, a lot of guys and women, you know, were just, you know, out of work. Um, but you know, there was a lot of opportunity within it. All those things that slowed down, it, it allowed us to, uh, you know, just to hone in on those things that are just, you know, very important. I know for me in the aspect of pro wrestling, um, allowed me just to kind of, you know, take a step back, study you know, just really study wrestling, watch wrestling and reevaluate my career. Like I started to, uh, of course, because the gyms were closed down, uh, I started to do more calisthenics. And fortunately, like down the street from where I was staying at the time, you know, we had a track and field and it had the heavy tractor tires. So I get out there every morning, man, because I had nothing but time. I got furloughed from the job, had nothing but time to go down every morning, run sprints, do tire flips. And then uh, by the end of it, like I put on, my body just changed. Like I put on like maybe 15 pounds of muscle, body change, all that. So, you know, I just made the most of it. You know, I just, just completely made the most of it. And then surprisingly, uh, it, it's, here's another thing, just how things play out. Uh, a company out in Kansas City uh, contacted me to, to run up our Iron Man match with Jeremy Wyatt. That's another like great pure wrestler, great performer. So uh, that was my reintroduction to a wrestling ring after a five month layout. So yeah, it was just really interesting, man. But you know, I made the most of it. So an Iron Man match after a five month layoff, that must've been something. Oh yes, that was very interesting. That was very interesting. Um, I actually ran a seminar right before, <laughs> ran a seminar before the Iron Man. So it, it was a, it was a very uh, it's very surreal. Like you're just away from something that you love for a period of time. Uh, but you know, I I was 
just like it, it was like it was like stepping back into my element again and like you know I, I adjusted just fine well you mentioned that you got a chance to you know obviously keep your body in shape uh while you had that layoff from uh, not being in the ring were you did you have access to a ring though were you able to get in a ring and no no not nope. at all Mm-mm, not at all not at all so was it really like getting right like back on a bicycle or was there any ring rust when you first came back uh, how can I put it? Um, it was kind of like getting, getting back on a bicycle in a sense. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was a weird thing because, you know, for five, you know, for about five months, all I could do was think about wrestling. I couldn't actually do it. So like, it's just a whole nother thing. It, it was like, I was, I was away from wrestling, but I wasn't. You know, because I thought about wrestling, you know, being up, when you're up early like that. When you wake yourself up at at three o'clock, three thirty to work out at four, like th- there's nothing going on outside. There's nothing going on. You don't hear you don't hear traffic like that. Like you just you just have all this time to think, you know. Um, so during that time, all I did was think wrestling. So it was kind of a surreal feeling, you know, actually being in a wrestling ring, especially in terms of an Iron if an Iron Man match. So uh, it was it was it was it was it was kind of it was different. It was it was it was pretty different. I know one thing. Uh, some of the other wrestlers that I've talked to about the uh, the layoff, um, as they said, it was in a way it was a blessing in disguise because it gave them a chance to heal up their bodies. Uh, yes. Is that something that you you found was was helpful also? I didn't really see it that way. It wasn't really about me healing my body. Uh, yeah, fortunately, I didn't really. Fortunately, I've been able to uh, you know get away with uh, you know any kind of like serious injuries or any nagging injuries. Uh, so for me, it was just a way to just just reevaluate my career and just think about you know just you know just what I wanted to do and you know refocus on those goals so it wasn't really a matter of like resting my body if anything when this when this pandemic when this shutdown happened man I worked out even harder even with having uh, fewer resources so yeah that that's that was my approach that was my mind on it now you were scheduled to be in the pure title tournament that was supposed to take place last april how disappointing was that for you when I mean, obviously, when the pandemic hit, you're losing all kinds of bookings. But one of them was this pure title tournament, which I'm sure you were looking forward to. How, how disappointing was that? Oh man, just like just like in terms of like a lot of the other uh, a lot of the other wrestlers, like it was very disappointing. Uh, I remember I had a big weekend lined up as well uh, down in Tampa, and then like you know, uh, being announced for that pure tournament, uh, I saw names like Eugene Agata and Doug Williams. Like I was so excited. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, so I, you know, that, that, that really, uh, that was very disappointing, but that made me all the more determined to, you know, to, to put in that extra work, even though, you know, everything was shut down. Now I understand that ROH still took care of the people, everyone who was booked, right. For that, uh, pure, it was pure excellence was the name we gave it. Um, that they took care of everybody who was booked. Is that correct? Yes, 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 that is correct. Okay. Uh, now, did you know when the, tor- you know, once we got back up and running and the tournament was rescheduled, were you, did you know that you were going to be part of it, um, the, the, the second one? Because not everyone was for various reasons. Mostly uh, our international stars were not able to compete. But were you pretty much like guaranteed that you would always be in it once it started? 
Uh, there was no initial guarantee. Uh, you know, um, I was hit up. I was contacted by Ring of Honor maybe, maybe I want to say a month before the fact, maybe like a month before, you know, we were going to run this thing. So I was contacted in. So I had no idea. I had no idea. So I just kind of continued on my path and, you know, and I was, you know, just hoping that, hey, maybe that opportunity would come back around again. It did. Well, I want to pull back the curtain here just a tad, which we do from time to time here uh, on the podcast. So I, I got to ask you, <clears throat> what was your reaction when, okay, you know you're going to be in the tournament once it gets started again, and then your opponent in the first round is Silas Young. What's your reaction when you find out that you are advancing uh, past Silas Young into the next round? Were you surprised by that since he's a contracted performer and you obviously are not? I mean, I felt very, I felt I had a lot of gratitude for that. You know, it's the fact that Ring of Honor was giving me, you know, an opportunity to showcase more of what I can do and to show that they had that confidence in me to go on to the second round. So, you know, when you get those kind of opportunities, there is a, there's a sense of gratitude. Um, that a performer should feel. So and I'm, I'm very aware of like the position that Ring of Honor is in, like they're a, they're a major company. And um, yeah, so, so to have that, to have that, I had a lot of, you know, I was very grateful for that to be able to showcase more. Yeah, I think it was certainly a testament to you and, uh, and what you had accomplished to that point. Um, obviously for Ring of Honor to show that confidence in you to, again, Silas Young's guy that's been in Ring of Honor for a long time. As I said, two-time Ring of Honor World Television Champion. I think that was kind of a kind of a big deal uh, to sort of um, announce to the Ring of Honor fans that you know Fred Yehi is uh, is somebody that you're going to probably see a lot of here in Ring of Honor. Yes. Now, I want to talk about your second round opponent because that's a guy, Tracy Williams, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, that you were certainly no stranger to. Uh, you guys were tag team champions as uh, Catchpoint and Evolve. You've also been opponents in the past. What, what was it like facing Tracy, I guess, on that stage of the pure title tournament? I'm guessing that must have been fun. Man, see, Tracy Williams is so freaking good. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot of uh, familiarity there. Um, however, it's just that he's gotten so much better since what I remembered of him back in like that 20, from 2016 to 2018, that whole stint with Evolve and with Catchpoint. So uh, Tracy is just a world-class a world-class performer. Um, he, he's really dedicated himself to the craft, man, and you just watch his growth over the years. So, like, it was just an honor to to be able to uh, you know compete with him in the you know in that second round, uh, considering considering our history. And I know he's worked really really hard to get in the position that he's in. So again, I was very uh, a lot of gratitude there. It was an honor being able to get in there and, and roll with Tracy. Now, obviously, like you said, you had that familiarity with Tracy from working with him uh, as a tag team partner, working against him as an opponent. Uh, but Tracy has this reputation for, well, number one, obviously he's very, very good. But number two, he has a reputation for, I guess, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but for being a hard hitter and working snug. Uh, so I guess you know what you're in for, right? <laughs> when you get Hell in yeah. Tracy. Oh, yes. You know, and I, I, and I welcome that kind of style because I like to give that back. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually welcome that style. And honestly, it's a very, very fun style to watch, and especially when you're as good as Tracy. But it's not just that he's, he's snug and, you know, he's there and he's a hard hitter. But, you know, he's a, he's a, just watch him and just watch the guy. Like, he knows what he's doing at the same time. So 
that's a style that I've always like since I can remember since I you know uh, grew up watching wrestling like that's always you know you know that's always been like my preferred style anyway right well what's uh and I think you're right for fans it is very um, entertaining because it does look like you know it looks like what it looks like a real fight and you know it looks like a real competition and not necessarily um, guys working with each other it does look like guys working against each other um, doesn't look like it's all that much fun sometimes when he's laying those chops in but uh, <laughs> I guess when the adrenaline gets going it's, uh, it's a different story uh, but you had uh, speaking of adrenaline obviously you had no crowd uh, no one in Ring of Honor for the past however many months it's been. Um, I guess it's been, uh, man, last summer, I guess, when we started up again, end of last summer, when we started with the Pure Title Tournament. So almost a year of working in empty arenas. Now, is that something that you had ever done before the Pure Title Tournament, as far as working with no fans? Okay, so uh, years ago, um, years ago when I started, this is like maybe like year one, year two Freddie yeah, high so i have a youtube channel uh bacw wrestling and we would we would run these tapings you know we'd have like maybe 12 14 wrestlers or whatnot and at the time i wasn't like that familiar with beyond wrestling with uh hey well if you don't actually have a crowd you just have your wrestlers around ringside but we would do we would work these tapings we'd have a guy on the camera we have a guy following him on the camera and you know doing commentary and we would have these matches without a crowd. So it's kind of similar to ring. It's kind of similar to like, you know, running the, running the tapings at ring of honor where, you know, two guys in a ring, you have, a, you have an official and you can kind of hear the commentary from a distance, but with BACW wrestling, uh, we would, the, the commentary commentator would be ringside following the camera guy. So uh, wrestling without a crowd, like, that wasn't really anything new because I had done that for, you know, done that for a few years with BHW wrestling. So, um, and, and, and actually I don't really see too much wrong with it. Of course, like, you know, having a crowd there is great. It's a lot of fun because of that interaction. And, you know, you, you hear that reaction from the crowd. Um, but like without a crowd, it just brings about a different uh, element of wrestling where it's not about, it's really, it, I mean, I mean, like, yes, you're putting on a show, you're putting on a performance, uh, but you can focus more so on what you're doing. It's just a there, there's a different element. Um, there's a there's a certain like feel of like realism uh, when there's no crowd because the two performers are they're focusing on what they're doing because the focus is completely on what they're doing. Even with the camera work, you look at the camera. It's like okay, when there's a crowd, you know something happens. There's a big reaction. The camera work goes into the crowd from time to time because they want to get everyone's faces. But you know, without a crowd, there's no reason to do that. The action stays. It it's focused completely solely in ring, and that's how we think as performers. Like we're completely we're completely locked in. We're completely engaged in what's going on in the ring. So I, I believe that has its place. And I believe that it's added to my game actually. Um, now that we're starting to have more crowds because like now I can take that element of like just that, that refreshing course that, you know, of, of no crowd, I can kind of implement that into, you know, my work when there's actually a crowd. So now it's like, man, like this dude is really, really locked in. Yeah, from time to time, I can acknowledge the crowd whatnot and you get that reaction. But now it's like, man, he's like so locked in. Let's watch this guy. So it has its place, man. 
<laughs> a little long-winded. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you made a good point about the, the realism. And I think the empty arena actually played right into just what we were trying to uh, get across with the pure wrestling style. Right. Not, not that it can't work in front of a crowd. I'm sure it'll be great. You know, we got fans coming back in July and August. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for what it was, which was this stripped down, pure, you know, man on man competition, like the fact that, that there was no crowd and there was no background noise. And, and I'm so glad and nothing against any other promotion because everyone was just trying to feel their way about, you know, this was uncharted territory. What do we do? How do we present wrestling? But I think it worked so much better the way we did it rather than if we had pumped in fake crowd noise, which, you know, you even saw in the NFL and other sports or, uh, you know, cardboard cutout fans or <laughs> whatever it was. I think all that just came to me as like kind of hokey. And that's just my personal opinion. And I think it would have been so out of place with how we were presenting the pure tournament. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. what you think about that or. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, well, one thing that stood out was the cardboard cutout fans. I think <laughs> that looks so silly, yeah. but, <laughs> but, I, but I, I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree. <laughs> well, since we are talking about fans coming back and all that though, um, this is the weird thing for you. Like you've, you've been in ring of honor. You've had a bunch of matches. Now you've never wrestled in front of a ring of honor crowd. And as I'm sure, you know, the ROH fans are, they're rabid. And, and like, it's, it's, it's a great atmosphere when you have an ROH live event. So, I mean, how forward um, are you looking, how, how much are you looking forward to that, to the day when, you know, you hear your music hit and you come out and they're actually ring of honor fans there who, I'm sure we're going to be very happy to see you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, I look forward to, to wrestling in front of any crowd. Uh, but this Ring of Honor crowd, man, this, this, this Ring of Honor crowd, like, you know, uh, just over the years watching, even before uh, Fred Yeha was a thing, you know, on this wrestling scene in general. Like, you know, I had my Ring of Honor DVDs and I would watch this. And I watched the I watched these main events with with like Brian Danielson and Morishima and all these other guys. So man, I really look forward to that, man. That's going to be a complete uh honor and again, I feel, you know, I feel the utmost gratitude, you know, for being able to be on that kind of platform and wrestle in front of these rabid Ring of Honor fans, man. That's going to be that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome. No question about it, man. I think we're all looking forward to that day, July 11th, best in the world pay-per-view. The first time we'll have fans back in nearly a year and a half. And then the news came out recently that uh, we're going to Philadelphia, the historic 2300 arena uh, for two nights of glory by honor in August, August 20th, 21st. So, man, I think we're all just counting down the days. Uh, Performers, fans, people that work in the office, all of us just, uh, man, can't wait to get back into that atmosphere. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break. We're just getting started here. Plenty more to talk about with the savage weight, Fred Yeha. Sunday, July 11th, Ring of Honor Wrestling presents Best in the World live on pay-per-view. See ROH athletes such as the Briscoe Brothers, Bandito, The Foundation, La Faction Ingobernable, Violence Unlimited, and many more. World-class competitors will show why they are the absolute best. Championships will be defended, and legacies will be defined. Find out why honor has always been real. Sunday, July 11th. It's best in the world live on pay-per-view. 
All right, we are back on the RRH Strong Podcast, talking to the Savage Weight, Fred Yehi. We mentioned uh, during the first segment that uh, you've got a huge match coming up uh, for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. You'll be challenging Jonathan Gresham. Now, I know Gresh is a guy that, uh, you know, we mentioned that, you know, Tracy Williams is a guy you know very well. You know Gresh pretty well also. Uh, you guys have wrestled a bunch of times. I uh, did some research. It looks like 2014 was actually the first time you guys got in the ring together. Uh, so what are your thoughts on uh, just Gresh in general and, uh, and this pure match coming up? Again, it's coming up July 3rd, the weekend of July 3rd on Ring of Honor television. And, of course, it'll also be uploaded to ROHwrestling.com uh, the Monday after that, July 5th. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this about uh, John Gresham. This is, like, very real. Um, in my nine and a half, ten years in wrestling, uh, there's one wrestler who's made a very um, strong impression on me. Probably the strongest impression on me is definitely John Gresham. Uh, I watched John Gresham when I was when I was like in high school, and I think Gresham was still at the A4 school. Uh, I'm not sure, like you know, just how much he had branched out at that point. But I remember the first time I, I saw John Gresham, he wasn't wrestling as John Gresham. Uh, he, was, he was doing a tag match against, uh, against A.R. Fox and uh, Uha Nation, who was, who was Apollo, um, Apollo Cruz, I believe, with Apollo. WWE. Yes, yeah. he's Apollo Cruz. And uh, this is my first time watching him. And uh, when I tell you I was completely blown away, especially around that time, because you didn't really see um, you didn't really see many guys, if any, that were working that kind of style, like that technical, convincing, uh, the technical, convincing style. But he was so smooth. He was so smooth and, and believable and just uh, the precision. And I had never seen anything uh, like that, especially not live, you know, during that time. And uh I ran into him again in 2014. No, it was 20, it was maybe like late 2013. Okay. Uh, we did a, we did a, a beyond wrestling taping at the A4 school in Atlanta. And I got to have the pleasure to, uh, to watch him and then work him as well in a, in a, uh, in a tag match. And again, he made such a strong impression on me, you know, uh, way back then. So uh, the fact that we've been able to uh, compete against each other and even like train with each other, man, I've been very, uh, again, I use that gratitude word. Like I'm just very grateful for that. Um, but John Gresham, man, he's one of the best in the world. And he's that ring of honor, pure champion uh, for the, you know, for, for darn good reasons, man. He's one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world at what he does. Um, so I look forward to this opportunity uh, to challenge John Gresham for that crown. Well, obviously you're uh, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you're an old school ROH fan. You, you watched back in, in the day, the early days of the company. When you look at that pure championship uh, in its first, in its first run, uh, you had champions like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson, Nigel McGinnis, uh, Jay Lethal. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out. I think John Walters and Doug Williams. And I think I mentioned everybody. Um, and obviously Gresham, once we brought it back, was really the perfect guy to continue on that legacy. What would it mean to you to add your name to a list of, of guys like that, 
that have held the Pure Championship? I mean, look at the names you just listed. <laughs> I mean, that 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 just says that just says enough. I don't I don't really have to say too much, man. Like, look at the names you just listed. My name could be along that lineage, man. Like, that's you know, I think that's pretty awesome. And uh, and and you're right, man. Like, uh, John Gresham is the perfect fit for that. Like, that's that's up his alley. You watch what he does, man. Like, I don't think that wrestling fans uh, understand enough. I don't think they really understand enough what it takes to uh, what it takes for a performer to get to that level. You watch someone like John Gresham. You you watch how he does things in the ring. You watch how he moves. You watch how he strings things together. Man, that was at the end of the day, man. That's like years of like hard work, man. That's like years of like studying film. That's like years of uh, of trial and and error and and even like frustration. Just I just don't think people really understand uh, the work it the work you have to put in and the, and the frustration and the you know the failure, man. That you know when it comes to honing a craft and and he's gotten himself to a point to where he he's made it work for him. You know, in spite of even some of the even some of the uh, the disadvantages within pro wrestling, especially during a time where, you know, where he was coming up, where, like, uh, you were not six feet tall, and, and if you were not a certain weight, you know, people didn't really give you those kind of opportunities. But the fact that he persevered through all of that, and he just, this, this took this wrestling thing, and just took it to a whole nother level, man. Like, I, I just don't think people understand that, and I don't think that's really spoken of enough. Like, but yeah, you watch that, man. That's a lot of hard work that's been put into his craft, man. I think you're 100% right. I mean, when you look at Gresham, I think, um, you know, obviously his height was, was something that people noticed because he is one of the smaller guys as far as height goes in the business. And like you said, there was a time when you had to be six foot or taller or, you know, you just – it was really tough for a guy like Gresham to make it. But now – he's so good and I think he's made such an impression on people with how good he is that his height doesn't even matter anymore I mean you see him in the ring with a guy like Dak Draper who's like a foot taller uh, but it's believable that not only can Gresham get in there with him but Gresham beats a Dak Draper and and it's believable because of his style and because you know like you said so much hard work goes into that but he makes it look almost effortless I mean smooth is I don't know that I've ever seen a guy smoother in the ring than, than Jonathan Gresham. And again, he makes it look easy. Obviously it's not easy, but that's right. just how good he is. And we, we talk about wrestling as an art form. I mean, Gresham's freaking Picasso, right? Yes. That's yes. A, you got to put him at that level. Yes. And then, and then you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Dak Draper. And then like, as I mentioned previously, just that, you know, that trial and error and it's the years of like putting this stuff in. See, this is not his first time like wrestling a guy like Dak Draper. Right. Like if you watched, you watched Gresham over the years, man, you watch his stuff with Donovan Dijak. You watch his stuff with, with Timothy Thatcher, you know, you, there are things with he and Chris Hero, man. Like this is not, that that's not his first rodeo. Right. Like this guy has a, it's a, Man, his experience level is off the charts, man. And again, this is like years of years of hard work and, and just like dedicating himself and giving himself, you know, to that craft. So, man, it's I, I again, I don't think people really understand that. I, I sometimes I wonder people just think that people just get to that level. And that's just that's just where it is. It's like, no, man, like <laughs> it's so much that's put into this stuff, man. It's so much that's put into this. 
and he's wrestled all over the world. I mean, too, he's, yes. he's learned all different kinds of styles and he's all, he's adapted that to, to, you know, make his own uh, unique style. The other thing too, I love about, about Gresh is, um, you know, it's very important in this business to have a finisher and to get your finisher over and all that. That's certainly important, but I, I love that Gresh, I mean, he has the octopus stretch stretch, but uh, he can win a match and he has proven this with any number of ways. And I think that's so cool. Like as a fan, you're not always like, oh, okay, waiting for the finish. All right, he hit his finisher. There we go. Gresham can win, win in any kind of way with all different kind of maneuvers, which I think is very cool. And, right. uh, yeah, man, as a fan, like, I know what you can do. I know what Gresham can do. I'm just going to say it. I'm not blowing smoke because you're here. Like, this is a can't-miss match. Gresham against Yehi, July 3rd, that weekend on Ring of Honor TV. This is can't-miss. And, uh, again, I think, you know, huge moment for you, but – Huge moment for Gresham, too, because uh, it's going to be a challenge for him, I, I, I'm sure. You know, you're coming for that title. And uh, I think he's 9-0 and or something like that in pure matches. So, got your work cut out for you. But, man, wouldn't that be something to put that first blemish on his record? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, most definitely. Like, again, I mentioned how he made a very strong impression on me. He and I are pretty um, – hmm. he and I are kind of similar. Like, like well, I'm not going to say kind of similar, but we're we're – pretty similar um you know as far as our approaches to uh to pro wrestling the only difference between he and i is is you know he he has more experience so um yeah we'll see how this turns out man we'll we'll, we'll definitely see how this goes but just know that i'm you know i'm gunning for this title man I'm gunning for this pure title and yeah the results will speak for itself so we'll see well, you wouldn't be the first guy that uh, was unsigned, got into the pure title tournament, and uh, won a championship. Tony Deppen, obviously, he's he's preceded you. So um, precedent's been set, man. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I hope people don't think it is. It's certainly possible that uh, we could see a title change uh, coming up the weekend of July 3rd. But let me move on a little bit to um, New Japan Strong, because I know you recently made your debut – for them, uh, New Japan Strong obviously can be seen on New Japan's streaming network. Much like the Ring of Honor Pure Division, New Japan Strong just, to me, it seems like it's tailor-made for Fred Yehi. Um, how did that opportunity come about, and will we see more of you on uh, New Japan Strong? Man, it's one of those things, um, you know, sometimes you just need the right people to see you. Um, I, I worked the match with Rocky Romero not too long ago. Uh, on Ring of Honor TV or for Ring of Honor Television, and um, I mean we had so much fun out there. Rocky, Rocky Romero, um, <laughs> as a as a pro as a professional, uh, these as a professional, uh, I'm sure there are other wrestlers who can relate to this. But you have those opponents, and and John Gresham's one of them too. But you have those opponents that um, when you're in ring, and it's so I'm kind of going to peel the curtain back a little. Uh, when you have those opponents where it's they're so easy to work with yeah and 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 when i say easy to work with i don't mean like i don't mean like uh in the in the aspect of okay i'm not going to be challenged tonight like it's not that but you have those opponents where it's so easy it's so Mm -hmm. easy to go out and be you and 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 to just be present in the moment because you don't have to worry about it you don't have to worry about if he's going to – is this guy going to get lost? Is he going to get flustered? 
You know, does he is he lacking confidence or whatever it is? And uh, Rocky Romero, uh, he's one of the easiest opponents uh, who I've ever worked. And and that and that's <laughs> that's a very high conflict. There are a few guys like I mentioned, John Gresham. There's another gentleman in uh in in Georgia in the Georgia scene. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. His name is Shane Marks, who's been in the game for a while. And then there's Jeremy Wyatt. Uh, Tracy Williams is another guy. Uh, and, and, and that's <laughs> Anthony Henry. Uh, he's another one. Uh, but these guys are just so easy to, to work and, and, and to wrestling. He's, it's just, it was just so easy, uh, but we had so much fun. We had so much fun in that match. And then, uh, Rocky Romero, he's a guy who I really admire. Like, uh, he's a guy who I honestly would like to pattern my career after because, um, it seems like he's been in a he's, well. He's obviously he's been in a game for a long time, but it looks like he's just never he just never ages. Like he's he's consistent. He's cons, he's consistently been just a great performer, regardless of what platform that you see him on, and and you kind of see Rocky Romero everywhere. So the opportunity to get on to New Japan Strong, uh, it, it stemmed from that. We had such a we had such a fun match. And um, we had been wanting to work each other for some time. So uh, that's, you know, that's how that came about. You know, um, that happened. Uh, so working for a show in Chicago, AEW, uh, we had someone there involved with filming, uh, filming and production. Uh, Patrick, I forget his last name. We just call him Pat. Um, <laughs> uh, Patrick Price, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping, I'm tripping. Patrick Price. So he was working there, you know, within the production. And I worked with him before in, you know, in North Carolina. And um, I did a match with uh, ACH that went to a 20-minute draw. So working with Rocky and, you know, working, you know, along with, with Pat, you know, who was in the production in Chicago, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, those two worlds kind of met. And then next thing you know, that gave birth to Fred Yehai you know, over, in, over in New Japan Strong. So I'm very grateful, man. Well, yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more about Rocky. Rocky is uh, a truly a pro's pro. Yes. And, um, yeah, man, great guy. He's been around a long time, but he can still go. And I think Rocky really understands sort of uh, his position in this business at this point. Yes. I mean, again, Rocky still can go, but he understands that he's been around a while and, and Rocky can afford to uh, do the honors and, and uh, put some other people over and give some other people that shine. And, uh, and he's just a very pleasant person to be around. He really is. He's so been on very, yeah. yes, very, very pleasant to be around. I can't, you know, I, <laughs> I really wish there were more guys like that in the business, but just, just an absolute pleasure to be around. Just the, uh, the energy around him. Like you just want to have a conversation with him. Absolutely. You know, you just, you just want to have a conversation with him. And um, yeah, he's, he's just a very, and I, and I, I get the feel that, uh, there are a lot of other wrestlers who feel the same way. Like he just—he's a pleasure to be around. Yeah, he really is. I mean, we had him on the show a while back, um, and we had a special appearance by Chico El Luchador as well <laughs> on the show. Got to love that guy, right? The legendary, awesome. legendary Chico. Uh, yes. but, but you mentioned Rocky wrestling everywhere. You—you're pretty well traveled yourself, and I know you probably get this question a lot, but I'll ask it anyway. I think one of the things people think of, okay, when they hear Fred Yehi, they're like, yeah, I know that guy. Like, he's, he's really good. He's really talented. And I think the other question is, why is he still a free agent? And that's what I want to ask you. Are you a free agent by choice? Um, and, and do you want to settle down maybe at one point 
and say, uh, you know, I want to make my home in a certain place. Because I guess there's pluses and minuses to both, to being contracted one place and having that security and making a name for yourself. But there's also something to be able to go anywhere you want, right? Yeah, that's a very good question. I've been asked that a bit. Uh, I've been kind of, I've been, uh, I guess I can elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, You know, the wrestling landscape has changed a lot. And, um, you know, um, you know, because of that, like, I I don't, mm, mm. the idea of being like signed, like exclusively to a company and just kind of being locked in on that company. uh, That's, that's just not really appealing. That's just not really that appealing to me, honestly. Um, if it were about money right now, then, you know, that'd be a whole different story, but it's not really about money. So that's not something I'm interested in. Uh, you know, Fred Yehi, uh, I would like, like I mentioned Rocky earlier, like the vision I have for my career is to be able to wrestle everywhere. And if I could get like a few non-exclusive deals with different companies and have that freedom to just wrestle everywhere then you know that would be phenomenal the truth is the truth is like we don't have a whole lot of time in this business like that and we don't really know what can happen like a couple of years from now we don't really know so uh you know just like i tell you know the people around me we have these kind of conversations man like when my time is up like not just in the wrestling business but like i'm talking about just life in general when my time is up i want to make sure that i'm dying on empty like that's the way i see it and this pro wrestling thing like it's a it's a it's an art, it's an, it's a craft and, you know, it, it takes a lot of hard work, but also just like on a spiritual level, man, this is a gift. And I want to share this gift with as many people and I want to, you know, take it as many places as I can. So it's the idea of like an exclusive contract. I'm not saying that I would just rule it out like forever and ever I'm in, but, you know, uh, for the time being, I just don't really feel that it's, you know, that that's in a deck of cards for now. Uh, perhaps at a certain point it will be okay to say you know what I'm going to take my talents here and I'll lock down here but it's just that right now that's just not really the case and my heart is set on you know just wrestling all over the place and just having that freedom and having that freedom to create as well um so yeah man like so I I hope that answers your question it did it did and you know I got to say this is what you kind of just pointed out in your answer there, there haven't always been times like this where somebody can do that. Right. It's always about getting scooped up by a company, sign a contract, and man, you don't, you don't go anywhere else. Like they, right. you're not allowed to go anywhere else. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that for the guys who've done it. Yeah, for the guys who've done it, like, um, you know, you know, it's fine. If that's what they want to do, it's cool, and it, it works out for a lot of guys. Right. You know. Um, but then you're kind of rolling the dice with that when you decide to sign on with the company and you have like <laughs> got all this other talent and, and they're still trying to figure out what they want to do. So you can kind of get lost in the shuffle. And if you're like me, if you're like me and, and you're wanting to, to make these kind of moves. And, and as I mentioned before, like I really want to share my gift and share it as many places as I can. If that's, if you feel that way, then maybe that's not really ideal. Right. You know, so. right. And like you said, like the landscape at this point is perfect Different. for a guy. You know, it, it affords you the opportunity right now to do that, to be that free agent, to take your talents wherever you want to take them. And um, and it's great. Like that's that's the current landscape because, yes. like you, said, you know, we've seen in the past, like sometimes the grass isn't always greener. Guys think and girls, you know, think something's going to happen if they sign with a certain company. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it works out great. Other times not, and they feel pigeonholed or frustrated or held right. down, whatever those things are. But yeah, for a guy like you right now who can 
kind of go where you want to go and, and sort of be your own boss. Like that, that's a really cool thing. Right. And it, and it comes with the sacrifice too, because like, uh, you know, when you, when you get those opportunities and you, and you, you turn them down, you know, you're kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, and I, I'll speak for myself, like turning down certain opportunities has led to, it's led to, okay, well, if I didn't take this, and I didn't have a whole lot going on at the time. It's like, well, dang, I'm kind of back at square one and I'm still, you know, scrambling, trying to get something going, but it's a risk that I was willing to take. It sucks. But, you know, but in my heart, I know it's right, even though I'm kind of suffering through it. So yeah, man, it's, <laughs> it's a little insight, man. So yeah. Well, I guess that's kind of the thing is ultimately you just kind of have to go with your gut. Yes. You know, it's like when, when you hear actors interviewed about like, you know, what's the biggest, what part did you turn down? And, you know, it turns out they turned down like some Oscar winning, you know, movie, but it's like, you never know at the time you do what you think is best for you and, right. and you deal with the consequences going forward. I guess it really comes down to just having enough confidence in yourself. Yes. That at the end of the day, and again, I've said this a million times on this podcast, not that I made up, not that I am the originator of this quote, but I always have believed that talent wins out. And I think it's proven time and time again in this business that it does. Like at some point, the talented wrestlers are going to be where they, end, where, they, where they should be. Like it's just, it's going to happen. It may not happen on the timeline that it, that it probably should happen, but it happens. Like if you've got the talent, you're going to eventually get that platform and that opportunity. I, I fully believe that. I believe that too. Now, I know you've wrestled in a lot of different places. What are some of the countries you've wrestled in outside the U.S.? Let's see. So I had the, I had the, <laughs> had the pleasure of wrestling in Germany, WXW. Okay. Uh, I also did progress wrestling in a Rev Pro. Um, I worked – oh, I had some of the best – oh, boy, this was, this was so good, man. I had pure apple juice out in <laughs> – pure apple juice out in uh, – Gosh, I'm having a brain fart. Oh my goodness! And I don't want to say the wrong name. <laughs> I think this was uh, was this Denmark? Was this Denmark? Uh, Body Slam Pro. Uh, Body Slam Pro. I believe that was Denmark. And where is OTT? Uh, OTT is uh, Jesus. That's in uh, yeah, that's in Ireland. So yes, uh, where did I have that apple juice, man? That might have been Denmark. Oh, I had pure apple juice, man. It was great. Like, it, it, it just woke me up after the show. Like, I was really tired. Like, we were all down at the bar. And I'm looking at the menu. And I'm like, okay, let me get some apple juice. And I, and I have it. I'm looking at it. And there's, like, no added ingredients, Kev. There's no added ingredients. This is nothing like what we would have here in the U.S. Where it always says concentrated this and this. Yeah, yeah. It was pure apple juice. And it was so freaking good, man. So, I think because of that experience alone, I say Denmark takes the cake, man. <laughs> wow, so pure, pure wrestler and pure apple juice yes it was great man i want to ask you a couple quick questions before we go to our next break about um the character uh everybody in wrestling has to have a persona uh you have one savage weight where did you come up with that name savage weight uh as i mentioned earlier we were talking about tracy williams man like like you know that style has always resonated with me. Like I've always been drawn to that, to that kind of style. Um, I like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty athletic. Like I have an athletic background. 
Uh, there are certain things that I can do in ring, but uh, let truth be told, like I kind of like to get more to the point. So um, the style, like what, like the, like the emotion that I kind of wanted to emulate and, and just give a feel of was just more like, ooh, like, man, he's, he's vicious. Like he doesn't have to do a whole lot to like, man, he doesn't really have to like, it's almost like he can do the most without doing the most. So uh, I'm like, man, it's, you know, I think that's kind of savage. And I think that's a little, you know, perhaps I can make this different. It's like, huh, a savage weight. And I'm just like, huh, maybe I can run with that. And, and that's kind of how that came about. It's just something I wanted to, you know, just give off, like, you know, while out, you know, just while in ring. You know, I have a guilty uh, habit of watching uh, stuff like world star hip hop like watching these like messed up videos. It's crazy because like I, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a <laughs> like I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian believer. Like that's 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 a little inside of me. I am a Christian believer and I and I do uh try to, you know, live that life and walk that life or whatnot. Um but I do have a guilty habit of like hey, I'll watch some messed up stuff sometimes. I'm like, ooh and I just think about my reaction and I'm like, what if I can like make people react that way with what I do in ring? What if? What if? And then that's where I just kind of took it and ran with it. Well, yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. I didn't know uh, about your uh, religious background or anything like that. But, you know, I had uh, Caprice Coleman uh, on, on the show a while back. And, and, and Caprice and I have had a lot of we've had a lot of conversations, I guess, you know, just personally about this. Uh, everybody knows Caprice is an uh, ordained minister and, and all that. And I asked him, you know, is it ever, is it tough being a Christian in the pro wrestling business? So I'll just ask you that same, that same question. Um, it, 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 I mean, I guess it's a different world now than it was back in the day when guys were on the road constantly and things like that. <laughs> but are there ever any challenges, uh, do you think, at this point? I mean, um, it's not really something that I've heard you talk about. It's not part of your persona as maybe it was with, you know, Caprice is kind of taking that preacher role a lot of times um, in his, in his wrestling personas? Um, I wouldn't say that it's, uh, I wouldn't say that it's like hard. I wouldn't say that it's like so hard because like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, my walk is my walk and, you know, that's not going to be uh, compromised by, you know, by my company, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's not like a, it's not like a, it's not like a hard thing. But it's something that I, you know, um, you know, just from uh, different conversations and you know, certain things you see, certain things you hear, you kind of know, kind of understand the, uh, you know, the world that you're in. Um, so uh, it's how can I put it? How can I put it? How can I, I just had a brain fart? But <laughs> but you know you you're aware that um you know hey that you know this is this is kind of it's kind of what it is in short I guess I'll say like it's not it's not that it's like it's not that it's hard it's not that it's hard I just kind of you know I know where I am um you know and if I have those kind of conversations with anyone you know we can have them so it's not something that I just try to like uh you know like force on people so hopefully hopefully um. Hopefully, like, just by the end of my career, by the end of my life, man, like, hopefully, like, you know, um, I've given, like, a, a good enough example as far as, like, you know, just who Fred Yehi is. And hopefully that, you know, can, you know, impact someone in a positive light. So, but no, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's, like, I wouldn't say that it's just, like, 
it's just such a hard thing. Because at the end of the day, man, like, you know, the, the as far as like, uh, you know, the wrestler's life, especially when you talk about my schedule, like I'm not even booked every weekend. So it's so it's like you know so my time my time around the wrestlers it's like it's like very limited. I think the most time I've had around uh, wrestlers was over like you know doing the New Japan Strong, right? You know because we're we have to drive you know to the show and, and you know back to the hotel. But that's really like the most. So like how is it? It's not really nearly as tough as it would be like you know if you were a you were like a Christian, I'm not going to say Christian believer, like, uh, you know, back in like the 80s when you had no choice but to drive six to eight hours yep. with this group, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, that, you know, okay, now that may be a challenge, but now it's like, it's not really that much, because <laughs> I'm not really, yeah, the the, the interactions are, are a lot more, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of limited, so in a sense. But, <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot more temptation on the road back in those days, I guess. Yes, yes, a whole lot more temptations on the road. Like now it's so much, you know, you get your hotel and, you know, and you, you know, you sleep and, you know, we have earphones now. So right. like, you know, half, half the freaking locker room has their earphones in it, their freaking earbuds or whatever. So <laughs> like, you know, everyone's kind of in their own bubble, you know, they're, they're looking in their phone. If they don't have the earpiece in, they're on their phones or something like, you know, people <laughs> it's like people mind their own business without minding their own business right. yeah so well you just sparked another question in, in my head there when you mentioned bubble uh you were literally in the roh bubble uh i've asked a bunch of people what their what their experience was like what their take was on it how, how was it for you were you able to uh keep yourself occupied or were you going stir crazy you know what kevin i regret not starting a business man i regret not starting my smoothie business in the bubble <laughs> You know, like, yeah, I keep up with basketball. And, yep. uh, like, uh, I don't know if you watched the playoffs last year when they were down, like, you were in the bubble in Orlando. And uh, Jimmy Butler of uh, the Miami Heat, um, he started a coffee business. You know, uh, he <laughs> he was charging 20, uh, 20 bucks a cup of coffee, man. So I bring my blender with me everywhere. I bring my blender with me everywhere to kind of keep me on track. I regret not starting a smoothie business. I've talked to a few guys about it and I, you know, now everything's opening up again. Like, you know, we're having fans, so I don't think there's really going to be much of a bubble anymore. So, but it was fine. Like, uh, you know, I work a, you know, I work a shoot job where I care for the elderly. So, um, you know, doing that and then like, you know, getting in my workouts and then like trying to squeeze in ring time and, uh, and then even time like on the jujitsu mat. Like, just trying to do all those things, like, it can get really, really tiring. So, uh, aside from getting those COVID tests, like, we have, like, just any kind of downtime where I can actually just lay down, rest, and just sleep for, like, a day or two. And, like, that's phenomenal. So, it didn't really drive me crazy. It was really a time to, um, to just, like, recharge. It was kind of a vacation for me, just to kind of get away from my regular life for a bit and then go and be able to relax and do something I actually enjoy. So yeah, man, the bubble was, and yeah, in that respect, it was really good to me besides getting those freaking sticks stuck up our nose. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't envy that. I don't envy that at all. I've, <clears throat> I've not, uh, I've been lucky. I have, I did not have to get tested cause I didn't go on the road. Um, I didn't want to be necessarily like I was deemed not a, uh, essential, uh, a part of the show there. So that was fine with me not to have to get the stick up the nose. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm fully vaxxed now. So I think I avoided the stick up the nose. 
<laughs> Let me ask you one other question about your persona. And that's, uh, look, I know every guy wants to do uh, something to sort of make themselves stand out, something distinguishable. You're the only guy, I believe, who wears sunglasses with one lens missing. How, how did that come about? <laughs> Uh, it was, again, like that was, it was something that was different. Um, yeah. it's, it's funny in wrestling how like we go through these different phases. Um, I read a book, I read Kevin Hart's book. I'll be specific. I read Kevin Hart's book about, uh, two and a half years ago. And it's so interesting how, uh, the crafts, as far as being a stand up, a stand up comedian and a pro wrestler, it, eerily like it, it parallels like the way a the way a, um, a comedian sets up his or her material is the same way that a wrestler would set up his material because it's all based on reactions right so like reading his book was like very eye-opening he had a mentor i forget his mentor's name he had a mentor when he was just starting uh who told him look you know uh stop worrying about playing a character you know don't worry about being funny tell the truth. He told him, tell the truth, then work to funny. That's, that's the advice his comedian gave him. Uh, a little insight. Um, Kevin Hart, his original stage name was Kev the Bastard. That was his original stage name. Okay. And he would just, he would get on stage and just do a whole bunch of just random stuff. And yes, you may get some chuckles. You might get a few laughs, but after five minutes, you're like, okay, come on, can we go to the next act? But this is the same thing as it pertains to pro wrestling. Um, when you don't really have that, character i mean you don't really when people don't really know who you are and you're just merely playing a character there's only but so much there's only so much you're really gonna get out of it and there's only but so much people are really gonna want to see of you so i started off with this gimmick i was doing uh big trouble i had this whole chant he's in big trouble you know it, it, it got over people were familiar with it and people say it back to me and people still tweet it and stuff oh he's in big trouble people not really that familiar with you know where free ai is now um, but the reality of that gimmick was it wasn't like a main event kind of gimmick. And when you look at how you're being booked in comparison to where you want to be, I'm speaking for myself, like, uh, yeah, you just kind of knew that something had to change. So uh, adopting the Savage Week gimmick, it kind of allowed me to chill out a bit and be more of myself in ring because me in real life and even like if I were actually competing, I'm not going to be like uh, just – off the hinge like that. Like I'm, I'm a lot more, I'm more composed, I'm more focused and, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just more chilled in general. So adopting that and then like, you know, the one lens shades, like it's like, okay, that's different. I think it just, I think, I think it worked out for me. So yeah, there's no real backstory to the one lens shades. I just actually like, I, I believe I had a pair of shades in my book bag and I never wear shades. I don't know why I haven't had them. And I don't know, it must have knocked around something and one of the lens came loose and I just took it out. It's like, you know what? I'm going to use this one day. And then, <laughs> you know, biting into Savage, but I'm like, you know what? Here it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go for it and see what it is. I see no one else doing it. Nope. So, so, yeah, hopefully I can make a lot of money off that. We'll see. <laughs> got to start selling those at the gimmick table, right? Yes, I may need to. I may need yeah, to. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey man, maybe you start, you know, Bret Hart back in the day. I used to put the shades on the kid in the front row. And something there to the, to the I, lens missing. You never know. Yes, I need, I, I need to jump on that. <laughs> All right, well, last question about character and persona is, 
you know, we like to put people in two categories in wrestling, right? You got, let, let's put a line down the center of the page and your baby faces are on one side and your heels are on the other. And I've always been a big proponent of that. I think, you know, baby faces and heels has worked in pro wrestling for many, many, many years. So I think it's a, it's a tried and true formula. Sometimes you get guys that are more of a gray area. If I was asked right now, what is Fred Yehi? I'm not sure because uh, I would, uh, you know, sort of a baby face, but we've seen some of your interviews lately where it's been a little bit more heelish. Um, like what would, like, what would you categorize or could you even categorize what Fred Yehi is right now? How do you see um, it? Uh, let's see, I guess I'll peel the curtain back a little again. Um, let's see. It, see, this, this all depends on, uh, okay. So you have some, you have, you have different wrestling promotions who, uh, or that they have a sense of direction um, as far as, you know, what they want to do. And they have direction as far as what they like to do uh, with, with certain talent. And then you have the companies that don't really know what they want to do with certain talent. There's really no story. Um, so you just kind of have to go and just, you know, just get yourself over. Right. So like, if it's just a, you know, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to get myself over. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on, okay, who, who, who am I working? Am I working? A, is this guy, is he a face? Is this guy, is he a heel? You know, you know, Hey, what's the story? Like, what, like, what do we have going? So I guess I kind of like fall into that. So I guess that kind of uh, confuses some people. I know with, with AAW, um, we're going the direction as far as like I'm feuding with Matt Warner. Well, they love Matt Warner there. So me busting him open and leaving him, you know, bleeding buckets and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes me a definite heel, right. you know, AAW. So I can take that and run with it. But if I'm, if I'm wrestling like, you know, elsewhere say somewhere in georgia somewhere in north carolina where uh, i'm just kind of getting sporadically booked well it just kind of falls in the trap of like well it just kind of depends on who he's wrestling that day if i'm wrestling a face well because i have this more aggressive style and i'm not really as expressive like that yeah, it's going to make me a heel and then if i'm wrestling another heel well if they really don't if this heel is really doing his job and he's really gotten himself over and made people you know dislike him well, they want to see me, you know, they want to see me whoop his butt. So that kind of puts me, you know, as a face, not the traditional face, not like a traditional like baby face where it's like, yay, you know, yay, go friendly. It's not really that. It's like, yeah, heck yeah. Take it to him. Yes. You know, right. You know, and then also like I always notice, um, I notice just like the difference. It's like even like geographically, like if I'm uh, wrestling, uh, you know, up north, if I'm wrestling up north, like they love it. They love it regardless. They love the they love the style. They love the brutality. Um, if I'm like, you know, in Georgia, you know, like uh, just a family show, uh, you know, it it might be a little confusing because they don't really know how to take it. So it's kind of tricky. It's kind of tricky. Um, I try to like I go back to the Kevin Hart example, like. I'm trying to, you know, more so uh, just focus on like just being the character regardless and then just kind of seeing like just where the where the chips fall. But 
it, it becomes more clear, like, you know, when, when a company, when they kind of know what they want to do and they kind of know what they're asking for, it makes it so much easier for the fans to, you know, different, differentiate between like, okay, it's guy that's here for him or not. But I hope that answers the question. It does. It does. And I think, um, you know, my opinion on it, like I said, has changed. There was a time I would have fought anybody like, no, you have to have faces and heels and we got to know who, who's who. Um, I, I don't, I think as the, as the product has, if, as you try to present it more realistically, which obviously that's what we do in the pure division. I think those, you know, it's like almost like it just makes it more realistic that no one is overly good right. or bad. And it's like, you kind of decide, let's see what happens. I love yeah. the fact that there's sort of been a little bit of an evolution of, of Fred Yehi and that, you know, you said it in one of your recent interviews that you were in a pure match with Dak Draper and he punched you in the face and that kind of woke you up to like, Oh, okay. So maybe right. uh, pure isn't, isn't really always pure. So that's, right. well, let me, let me mention, let me mention this too. Like, so uh, I don't know why I didn't even think of this. So uh, 2018, 2018, like, I was really like studying a lot of like Minoru Suzuki, like whatever Minoru Suzuki matches that I could watch. That's what I was like really looking into. And um, he's really influenced like just the way I, you know, look at wrestling and the way I look at characters as well, because he's going to be Minoru Suzuki no matter where you put him. Exactly. And, and I just kind of like uh, patterned myself after that a bit. So like, I, like we, like we're mentioning heels and faces, but like, I think, I think the direction of the business now, um, because we have so many polarizing figures in wrestling, I think it's just more important for everyone to, you know, for as many guys as they, as we can, like just, I think, I think it's just more important in general, just to uh, just know who you are and just, and just know your character versus trying to decide if you're going to be heel or face. Cause I kind of like just me personally, I personally, I think that like, um, trying to decide if you're going to be heel or face, it can kind of come off a little forced because the fans are going to respond the way the fans are going to respond anyway. Now it's so, it's so, it's so uh, twisted now. Like you can't tell them who to cheer and who to boo. You know, you, you can't like, they gotta, you know, if you're, if you're going to go out and be face, they may decide they don't like you. If you want to be heel, they're going to decide they're going to love you. So it's just, it's just more important now just to really like, you know, bite down on the character and really work on just, just understanding who you are as a performer, understanding what gets you over, understanding, you know, uh, how people and why are they going to react to you a certain way? That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> no, well, that's, that, that's great insight. And I think we've certainly seen sometimes when a company really gets behind a guy and says, this is our number one baby face and you're going to love him. Sometimes mm -mm. the fans are like, nah, I don't think so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. We're going to take another break here. We'll be back with more with Fred Yehi right after this. Let's roll, America. Roll up your sleeves to give blood. You can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day. Ring of Honor Wrestling has once again teamed up with the American Red Cross for Sinclair Cares Roll Up Your Sleeves. Make an appointment today to donate blood. Your donation will help save lives and impact countless more. Go to SinclairCares.com to schedule your appointment now. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong Podcast with Fred Yehi. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Fred, that um, I guess you've got a background in, uh, in jiu-jitsu. I know you've got a background in amateur wrestling. 
did those things, do they translate into pro wrestling? Do they help at all? Oh, yes, definitely. Most definitely. Uh, the amateur wrestling, like I wrestled through high school. I, I did wrestling college for about three years. Um, never did anything significant enough. Um, but just the hard work that goes into being an amateur wrestler and even a division one athlete, like that's a lot of hard work, man. Like a lot of dedication. You talk about just being a student athlete in general. So, uh, just even now, like you can give me, you know, a crazy task and say, Hey, uh, I need you to cut the front yard, cut the backyard, do this, do that, do this, do that. Like amateur collegiate wrestling, one valuable thing I've taken from that, just from doing it, cutting weight and all that stuff is breaking things down into manageable pieces. So I can look at an enormous task and I can, I can break it down and just see it through. I feel confident I can do that with, with any task. Like I feel confident enough and yeah, uh, the jujitsu, I literally tapped into the jujitsu last year. Um, so it was like maybe, maybe like a month before the Ironman match that I mentioned earlier on the podcast. Uh, I, I got into the jujitsu. So, uh, that was just very, uh, humbling in general. Like, so that just reminded me of like what it, what it, you know, what it's like to actually, uh, just do combat with someone so like transitioning that into you know the pro wrestling like it's really um it's really made me more confident um more confident and just more comfortable with you know hey just rolling around in general like it's just it, you know, it's a great workout um yeah 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 so that's how they transition pretty well well we see quite a few guys now uh doing pro wrestling and doing MMA going back and forth. Is that something that you would want to explore more like actually maybe getting into MMA at some point? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, no, I like my brain cells. I'm not trying to get hit in the face. And then like, you know, as I mentioned before, I work with the elderly, like, uh, you know, I think that's no, like if I were, if I would have started that when I was like, say maybe uh, 16, 17 and, and yeah, but that's, that's just not, that's not me. That's not me. Not saying that I can't do it because I'm pretty sure if I really, really wanted to, but just when I think of, I don't know, when I think of like my life and just direction, as far as like I look to be taking my life, like, nah, I don't really know. That's really in the deck of cards. But the guys who can do it, man, I'm telling you, like, it, dude, like it, it takes a whole different animal for someone who loves to freaking do it. So, yeah, but no, nah, that's not really me. <laughs> I, I love that honest answer because, I mean, look, that would be that would be my answer for sure is like, you know, the wrestling business is tough. It's certainly not easy in there. You're going to get beat up and all that. And there's risk of, of injury. And of course we all know that, but it's right. a little bit different when you're in there trying to have a fight that looks real, as opposed to, like you said, legitimately getting punched in the mouth or mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And I, I appreciate that honest answer. Cause I feel like a lot of guys in the business don't, don't answer that. They're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'm going to, I'll do that at some point. Uh, they won't. No, they won't. Plenty no, of guys they, no, they won't. So when you look at the reality of that, like you, there's no guaranteed outcome. Right. You're going in there. Like, and if you're not <laughs> a lot of understand just how much the training that goes into that, like you're, you're basically, you're training to kill someone. Like you're in your, you're, you're training with the, you're training with the understanding that, okay, I have this fight in two months. 
And after this fight, I don't know if my arm's going to be broken. I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, maimed somehow. Like, come on. Like, like <laughs> I wish more people would think of the reality of that. But right. like, hell no, I'm not, no, I'm not trying to do like any MMA, like training to fight. Like, no, that's not really me. That's, that's not me. I think that time has already passed. Like, again, if I were like 16 jumping into something like that, then yeah, maybe. But no, that's not something that I even have the energy that the time and the energy to even be doing right now. So, no. no. <laughs> Let me go back to when you were, uh, when you were growing up. Uh, how old were you when you uh, first discovered pro wrestling? Do you remember? I was actually like, uh, I was like maybe two years old at the time. Like I was maybe wow. two. Like I was maybe two. Like I, I remember, um, I know my dad had like, he had old uh, VHS tapes that, you know, he would kind of pop in from time to time and I kind of watched those. So like, I was like, maybe, I was maybe two. I, first got into it i had the action figures and all that it's one of those weird things like i mentioned it being a gift um it's it's one of those like yeah like if you've ever had like just a just been naturally inclined to something like you just oh the first time there's this there's this clip i saw uh i'm not sure if someone shared this on facebook or if i saw it on youtube uh, but this clip it was so beautiful um there was a lady she was playing, uh, I think she was playing a violin. She was playing a violin. And there was this little girl who was, she, this little girl was still in diapers. And the lady was playing the violin and everyone was watching. But this little girl in diapers was just so enamored. Like she was, she was just like, she was just like locked in like 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 her hearing this violin just changed her life and it just it just spoke to the depths of her soul and it was like watching it you just knew that this little girl was destined to do something like involving music and this thing just like spoke to her like i, I wish i could find it and send it to you but it was it was beautiful and it, it just touched me a certain way but that's what it that's that's what i feel uh wrestling is for me like uh the first time like watching it it was an old uh it was an old it's an older tape and it was it was macho man randy savage and uh i believe it was it wasn't steamboat it was i'm trying to dig back in the memory bank it was an old it was a randy savage and someone but i remember i remember watching that and i was like man what is that this is wrestling wow this is crazy and like i had action figures and i would always play with my action figures like i still have those action figures to this day funny note so <laughs> but yeah man like it's it's it, it's one of those things man it's just something that i just feel that um yeah i'm just i'm just meant to do like on purpose to you know to do it you know while i can so so you knew pretty early on then that uh or did you like, I mean, I guess when we're kids, I talked about this before, like we see something like wrestling or baseball or whatever, like, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to be a baseball player when I grow up. Like those are the things we dream about. But did you have it as a realistic goal? Like when you were a kid, like, yeah, it's something I'm going to do. Yes. I wrote papers about it. <laughs> I wrote papers about it. I wrote papers about it. Like we have a show and tell or essays, especially like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a professional wrestler. I did. Where, did. where did you go to school? I went to school at Campbell University, uh, 
Also, I wrestled at uh, Garden of Web. Again, I never did anything like significant. Like my my journey as a as a collegiate wrestler was was different, man. The uh, NCAA clearinghouse uh, was a was a, was a was a mother conductor. So um, I didn't really get to uh, compete as much. I did so much practice, so much training. And, you know, it's one of those things that really uh, added to me because I understand with this, <laughs> with this pro wrestling game, like there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a marathon race. So like my experience wrestling collegiately, um, especially with the clearinghouse, like I'm saying, okay, for some reason we can't get you cleared. Like, I don't, we don't know. It was something that happened like back from high school. Like I was, I was half a credit behind, like, cause I, I really goofed around, really goofed around my freshman year, just goofed around like you wouldn't believe. And I ended up failing like five or six classes. So I was really playing a lot of catch up. Um, and then by the time, like around graduation, I managed to bring my GPA up to like a 3.2. And, but I was still half a credit behind. And, and then uh, technically I wasn't even supposed to graduate, but I still went off to college. So like the clearinghouse, like that was like an ongoing thing because like they couldn't figure out, well, why, well, wait, he graduated, what's going on? Why aren't we clearing him? And that's what was going on in the system. I was like, hey, he's half credit behind. So I didn't realize that until like a year and a half into college. So I was like, wait, we're looking at his transcript. He never technically graduated high school. So it was like this whole thing. I was like, really? So all this time I've been like just working out, doing all this training with the understanding that the clearinghouse hasn't cleared me. So I know what it's like to, I know what it's like to like put in a whole lot of work and you don't really see the, you don't really see the, you know, the end because it was like, you know, uh, well, for now, I know I'm not going to be able to compete beyond a certain level. Like I can do, I can do these opens. I can do that, like competing varsity, which I wanted to do. That was the goal. Like that was just kind of out of the question because I was waiting on this thing to clear. So that's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different like mindset. You know, it's all, <laughs> I almost related to those drills we would do where um, it's easy to say, it's easy to say, hey, you're going to, uh, we're going to do live wrestling for five minutes. So you know at the end of five minutes, you can breathe. But if your coach says wrestle or just keep drilling until I say stop, that's a whole nother feel. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I've like that that's what I've taken from that whole experience, like just applying that to to wrestling. I know I kind of go off the rails a little, but <laughs> no, no, not, not no, absolutely not at all. Uh, so what was your plan like okay, go to go to college, get my education and then pursue wrestling because, you know, as far as professional wrestling goes, because, you know, some people jump into this at like 14, 15 years old. They, they start pro wrestling training and start getting booked on the indies and all that. Was, was, was that your plan? Was like, I better get my education first and then, and then pursue this thing. And, and that, you know, that way I got something to fall back on. It wasn't really a plan. It wasn't really a plan. It was just something that I knew that eventually I was going to do it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. Let me ask you about, um, this is a little bit of a, I guess, a deeper conversation, but I, I heard you speak about it in a different interview, I think a couple different interviews. I know one of the things that um, is sort of a passion of yours or a goal is like, you like to see more black ownership in pro wrestling. Uh, can you talk about that? 
Oh yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I talked to a few few uh, buddies of mine in the business and whatnot. Oh, you look at you look at the landscape of pro wrestling. You see what goes on here in the U.S. You know, you look at the major companies, and uh, you look over in Japan. You look over in Mexico. You know, you see the, the U.K. So Mexico, they have like what uh, two or three major major companies, yep. and then uh, Japan, they have like. Man, how many do you have in Japan? Like three, four, maybe. Um, and then, like you know, here in the U.S., and we know what goes on here in the U.S. But if you look at the stars that come uh, over from Mexico and Japan. Uh, just the fact that you're coming over from, say, uh, Noah Wrestling or All Japan or or New Japan, you come over here to the states, you're instantly you're instantly like held at a at a higher standard. There's like a respect that comes along with that because you know, hey. Japan, they're making their own. They're they're creating their own stars. It's the same way with with Mexico. You have you have uh, wrestlers who are coming over from major companies in Mexico over here to the states, and then they're held at a they're held at a certain standard, and and they're treated with a certain kind of respect. Uh, and then of course, like here in the U.S., like uh, our our major companies, like uh, a lot of them are are pretty much like they're like they're white owned. Well. Uh, for black wrestlers, I I feel that that's something that that we that we could definitely benefit from if there was like more black ownership to where we can like because it, it and and black wrestlers like the way that I the way that I see it and even kind of the way that it's portrayed um, in a lot of cases like you know we are we are the minorities in a lot of cases um, I like what Ring of Honor is doing how like we're getting those opportunities but just as a whole i think that i think that we could uh as black performers that we could really benefit from having that black ownership to where um yeah black stars were like intentionally being being created instead of getting on to other platforms does that make sense it does make sense yeah and i think that's it's probably not. It's probably true, not just for the wrestling business, but for like all major major sports. I think too would be, um, you know, I think when I when I think of ownership too, it's like, literally, like literally, you know, being the 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 boss behind the scenes or being the guy that's uh, the money behind the scenes. Like I think uh, I think that's something that we need to see more of. I think you know the more diversity and ownership, uh, obviously, is good a good thing. For, for, for everybody and for the health of the business. Right, right. And when you think about it, when you think about it, like even the Japanese, uh, like a like, you know, top Japanese star, he doesn't necessarily have to go over to say WWE or even like TNA or any major company to be a star. He doesn't really have to. Like he's already made because like, you know, they have their own. Um, the same thing with, you know, if you come from, there's a, a Mexican star coming over from, uh, yeah, he doesn't really have to be, if he goes over with WWE or whatever, like he doesn't really have to, he doesn't really, he, he doesn't really need to, like he's, he's kind of already made. So I guess that's, you know, you know that's the, that's the idea about it. Like we, like, I think, yeah, uh, black wrestlers, um, like the, in terms of like black ownership, I feel that we could really benefit from having some kind of system in play. Someone, someone, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I got so and I had to like email him and just like, look, dude, that's not what I said. Uh, he's, yeah, Fred Gayhai said that there should be a company made for black. I was like, dude, that is not what I said. That is that is not definitely not what I said. Like we need a, I, I feel that like, yes, for black performers, it would be beneficial if we did have some kind of system in place where we did create, you know, we did create black stars. Sure. Um, so yes, like that's, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely could benefit from some kind of system. Oh yeah. Well, you mentioned Ring of Honor, what's going on in Ring of Honor. And I think there's, there's something pretty cool going on as far as, uh, you know, look, the guy that they call the franchise of the company, Mm-hmm. face of the company is Jay yes. Lethal mm-hmm. and I don't think um, I mean obviously that's that's a big deal for the the black community that hey the face of the company is 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 a black guy Jay Lethal but I think it's it's really a testament to Jay's talent that that wasn't something that was it wasn't like somebody in a boardroom said you know it would be great like if we had a black man as the face of the <laughs> this happened and you look at uh, the position that Shane Taylor's in and Kenny King and Jonathan Gresham. Um, and I know I'm probably somebody I'm leaving, uh, you know, even world famous CB cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. It's like all these guys are flourishing and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, it's a sense of pride, I'm sure for the black community, but I think it just goes to show like, you know, again, it's my whole thing of talent wins out. Like these guys have been given opportunities to go kill it and they're all, they're all killing it. You know, yes. And I think that's a real testament of Ring of Honor. Like that's a testament because I noticed that the, you know, just the diversity amongst the roster because it's like everyone's getting that opportunity to shine. So like that's that's something that I've really uh, admired with Ring of Honor. I haven't seen a whole lot of it like over the last couple of years, but from just working, just working there, like uh, since during the pure tournament, like that's something that I really do admire about Ring of Honor. Like just just seeing that diversity and uh it's like everyone gets a chance to shine and just and just be themselves and just be unique so that's a that's a testament to that company man and i guess i did forget somebody i forgot eli isom and i'm i hope i'm not yes soldiers <laughs> of savagery con and moses like it's, it's, it goes on and on um i want to ask you though about like one guy in particular i mentioned him shane taylor i think it's really cool what he's doing with shane taylor promotions because Shane Taylor Promotions isn't just like a, a wrestling faction. Like it's, it's like a real life thing. Like he's really on a mission to kind of give guys opportunities uh, that they may not necessarily get. And he's trying to like Shane and I have talked about it. He's been on the show talking about it. He really wants uh, people who look like him who are sitting at home. There might be a young kid watching. Um, and he's really cognizant of setting an example for, for them because he felt like, you know, he didn't necessarily have a lot of those people to look up to. Um, you know, maybe the Ron Simmonses were few and far between, and, and he really is trying to create something that's bigger than himself uh, with, yes. Shane, with Shane Taylor Promotions. Is that, have you and Shane like, talked about that at all? Or if not, I mean, just what are your impressions of what he's, what he's doing? Uh, we never had like a one-on-one conversation about it, uh, but I kind of heard him uh, – I kind of heard him, uh, kind of overheard some things and whatnot. And um, it's just from watching what's going on with it. Like, I think that's pretty awesome. You know, hey, you know, uh, I don't look like, I don't look like what a star should be. But like, you know, this is who I am and this is what I can do. And I, I love that because like that resonates with me. Um, even I'll, I'll go back to even uh, amateur wrestling, like starting off in high school. So <clears throat> 
I went to a high school that was like that was uh, predominantly black. And uh, at a predominantly black high school, like, you know, a lot of focus when it came to athletics, it went into basketball and football. If you were if you were an athlete, but you were not doing basketball or football as a, as a male, you were kind of like, you know, kind of a nobody. Nobody knew what you did. Like they didn't care about baseball or soccer or wrestling or any of that kind of stuff, you know. And if you wanted to get on that team, you wanted to get on the basketball team, you had to be a certain height. You had to have a certain skill set. You had to be really fast. You could jump really high. You had to be one of those things. And then to play football, it was kind of the same thing. You you needed to look a certain way. But when I got into <clears throat> when I got into the amateur wrestling, none of that stuff mattered. None of that stuff mattered. And 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 when I uh, did my first tournament, and I lost to a guy who I did not think could. Uh, do just just on paper when I looked at him like I'm like I'm faster than him I'm stronger than him but he still beat me you know that's just kind of changed my idea of like man okay so these are the guys who were like you know I was looking at the state champions and all that kind of stuff my first state tournament and all that I'm looking at the guys who are standing on the podium it's like wow like wow this this kid is he, he looks he's a little butterball man and he beat <laughs> this guy who looked like this so I think that's like you know, I, I think that's like beautiful. That's just that's just the beauty. That's the beauty of uh, of pro wrestling. You know, like you can have a guy who who doesn't look like what you think he should look like, but he's doing all these things. Like he he can do all these things in ring, and he can even do those things even better than the guy who looks like he should be doing it. So like it, it's 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 a very very good thing. I like that movement, man, and I support him all the way with it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, the thing I love about Shane is he's unapologetically Shane. Yes, yeah. yes. I love that about him. And it's, um, you know what? It's gotten him over. Like, as, um, you know, he was, you know, we talk about heels and baby faces. He, he made that sort of transition. It's one of those things where just by being himself, he went from being a heel to um, a guy that people are looking up to, you know. And he's, he said, like, he's not about um, – for somebody or get he wants everybody you know everybody can be part of can be a fan of shane taylor promotions he's not anti anything he's pro everybody right right all right man well we're going to take our final break here and then when we come back if you're up for it uh we're going to play 10 questions are you, are you cool with that fred <laughs> <laughs> well let's see we'll, we'll see where it goes let's see where I it goes just been asked like 25 questions but now we're going to ask 10 more. <laughs> all right we'll be right back Okay. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the RH Strong Podcast. Man, it's been a great conversation with uh, Fred Yehi. But now it's time to play a little game we like to call 10 Questions. Fred, are you ready? Let's get it. And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? Something on my bucket list. Uh, vacation to Hawaii. Bucket list. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Hawaii. Hawaii. 
think that's on a lot of people's bucket list too. I think put that put that one on mine somewhere. All right, question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Subject I'd like to know more about. You know what? Uh, the mindset of modern women. I, I, I guess I guess that. I, I guess I'll say that. We'll throw that out there because that, because that's a very interesting that's a very interesting topic. It's the mindset of, of like modern women. Yeah, we all like to crack, 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 crack. <laughs> All right. Question number three. It's another deep one here. So if you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, okay. living or dead, who would it be? Dave Chappelle. Mm, okay. Dave Chappelle. How long Dave Chappelle? Yeah. Pretty interesting. All right, question number four. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? If Fair not... Enough. If not, do you believe in its existence? Um, let's see. Uh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I definitely believe it's real. I definitely do believe it's real. If I had had a paranormal. I think if I had like a real paranormal experience, I definitely remember it. Um, I, okay, I'll speak on this one. Um, have you ever have you ever like gone somewhere and you just got an eerie feeling about it? Oh sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. So there, there's, there's one random thing I'll never forget. So I was about maybe 14, maybe 15. And uh, me and some of my friends, we were like out in the neighborhood, like cutting grass, like just trying to make a little extra money. You know, we had a lawn or whatever. Um, so we went, we were passing this one yard and like uh, the grass was like really high. I was like, this yard needs to be cut. And we knew someone lived there because we heard a dog barking inside. And like, there's a car parked in the, you know, in the driveway. So when I tell you, I was like, hey, let me go check out this house. So I was the only one who went and stepped on the property. When I tell you the moment I stepped on the property, the feeling I had in my gut, like I just, I, I had this, like, like I started getting goosebumps when I stepped on the property. And then like right before I got to the, right before I got to the stairway, a lady inside said, what do you want? I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, like, ma'am, I just, I just want to cut, before I can even get it out, leave. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, what? Ma'am, I just, well, I said you need to leave. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And I just, I just left. I just like, whoa, what in the world's wrong with that lady? But like, when I tell you the moment I stepped on the property, the feeling I had, and I just got goosebumps. Like, I don't know what was going on that about, to this day, I'll never forget that. Like, I, I remember that, man. Like, <laughs> your spidey senses were tingling. I guess so. I guess, I don't, I don't know if that's like paranormal, but like, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, that was, that was something. So maybe that's close enough. Yeah, I think so. You got the, you got a bad vibe about the place and, and then uh, your, uh, your feelings were correct. <laughs> so I think there's something to that. What was yours? You know what? I have not, uh, I mean, I've just, I can't remember anything specific, but just being around certain places where you, where you get that feeling of something bad's going to happen here. I've had that a couple times. And I don't have a real experience like you did where like then it came true, but I've had just had a feeling of like, this isn't a good place to be. Let's get out of this place. So okay. I would leave before anything bad did happen. <laughs> All right, so question number five. Do you have any hidden talents? Any hidden talents? Something you're good at that uh, maybe the wrestling fans don't know about. Hidden talents. Um, <laughs> let's see. That I can think of off the top of my head. Not that I can think of. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like I'm not that talented, man. Talents <laughs> are are out there for us to see. They're not not hidden. So okay. So you can't sing. You can't. Uh... 
I'm not a singer. I don't draw. I'm not nah. dancing. Uh, <laughs> nah. Not a writer. Not a. I'm trying to think of different. Not a painter. No, no, nothing like that. Uh, not a writer. Not a. Not a painter. Okay. Um, not a poet. Oh, I, I guess what you see is what you get. Right. <laughs> You're really good at wrestling. So that's good. <laughs> really good at wrestling. All right. Question number six. What's the last show that you binge watched or are currently binge watching? Or do you not binge watch shows? I don't really get to binge watch shows too often. Um, I want to say the last, and this is maybe like a, maybe like a, no, 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 no. I take that back. Parasite. Parasite on Netflix. That's an anime. So I'm really into anime. Okay. So I did watch, I did finish um, Parasite not too long ago. Very good. It's a very good show. Check it out if you get a chance. Highly recommend it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really into the anime thing. Somebody else we had on the show, I think, mentioned Parasite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I've heard good things about it, but yeah, it's not really, I've never really been into the whole anime thing. But maybe I should. Maybe I should give it a chance. Check it out. All right, question number seven. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? Something popular that I don't see the appeal of. Yeah, like everybody's into it and you're just like, I don't get it. Why? I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm not really like a big social media person, so I, I don't know. I guess I'll just throw one out. I guess I guess TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> I just I'll just say TikTok and throw it out. You are not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a streak going, I think, on, on the podcast here of people answering that question with TikTok. Oh really? Yeah, so I mean I guess in general the Ring of Honor locker room. Thumbs down on TikTok. <laughs> Which hey, you know, like I'm an older guy, so like I certainly don't get it. You know, I'm 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 with you guys on that. I, I don't understand it. My kids love it, but I don't get it. <laughs> All right, question number eight. Uh, do you have a favorite sports team? Favorite sports team? Let's see. Uh, I watch a lot of basketball. I watch a lot of are, – are you keeping up with the playoffs? A little bit. Yeah, I know uh, at the time we're recording this, we, uh, we're down to the final four. Okay, awesome. Uh, see, I, I don't really have a favorite sports team, honestly. I just have, I have different players who I really support. Like I, like, I love Kevin Durant. Like, I love LeBron James. I love Steph Curry. All those guys, ironically, are no longer in the playoffs. Right. So, <laughs> let's, so, let's make uh, a prediction here. We got the Hawks and the uh, Bucks, and we got the Suns and the Clippers. Okay, now let me tell you. Now, let me tell you this. Now, the Hawks, just Atlanta teams in general, see, that's why I don't support. That's why I don't really have a favorite team. I've been so let down, especially by these Atlanta teams over the years, that I just, I've become so jaded. So I'm just waiting on them just to, after this season, like they, they, they're having a very good, having a very good year. I mean, yeah, obviously, Eastern Conference Finals. One step but, away from the NBA Finals. Ex- exactly. Like, but I'm just, I, I just have this inkling. I just have this inkling that after this year, they're just going to break the whole team up like they always do. <laughs> this is what they always do. They always find they managed to find a reason to screw everything up. But yeah, that's the reason I don't really have a sports team where I just like, yeah, go, go, whatever. Like, I don't really have one. Okay. But you're, you, you've been in Georgia, what? I mean, you grew up in Georgia. You lived there most of your life or all your life? I lived there most of my life. Yeah, most okay. of my life, for the most part, yeah. And you, don't, I, you, don't, so you almost sound like, but you don't support the home teams. No, I don't. I really don't. They, oh. I'm so jaded, man. I'm so jaded. Oh. Like, you know, they make it to a Super Bowl and just, they're up and then they lose. This isn't the first time. Like I, 
<laughs> this isn't the first time. Like, oh my goodness. And I called it. I called him. Like, look, they're up three touchdowns. This is what, 20, 2016, 2017? Oh, they were up 28 3. Come on. Yeah, you 28 3. And I called it. I, no. I, mean, I called it. I called it. I'm like, they're not, it's not going to last long, guys. You guys just, and they thought I was being ridiculous. Oh, they partying. Yep, sure enough. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Slip on a banana peel and just lose it. See, they, they, I'm jaded, Kev. I'm, I'm jaded, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm a little spoiled being a Baltimore guy, you know, keep, keep the goals, keep the goals for the Ravens in the, in, in the past 20 years. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Question number nine. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Uh, instant gratification. Mm. My instant okay. gratification. So I think that that trumps everything. That's not fair, man. No, that's not fair. I'd say uh, nah, that wouldn't be a fair one. Um, I'd say uh, the ability to uh, control time. That would be mine. Ah, that's a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. You control time, man. You control everything, really. Yeah. Manipulate time. I'm a little more shallow. I'm going with X-ray eyes. X-ray vision. X-ray. <laughs> X-ray vision. That's what I'm going. Man, if I had that when I was in high school, wouldn't that have been something? Yes. All right. Enough about that. All right. Question number 10. This is a final question. What's the best advice you've been given about the wrestling business? And if you best. remember, who gave it to you? Uh, loyalty to yourself. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way that was explained, the way that was explained to me was, uh, you you have your you have your bookings you have the things that you commit to, but ultimately you want to be loyal to yourself, just be loyal and, and true to yourself. So uh, yeah, basically, yeah. If you tell somebody you're gonna do something, you do it. When you say I'm gonna be here this date, I'm gonna do it. If you agree to do business with someone, eh, okay, do it. Um, but then at the same time understand what it is that you're looking for and be loyal to yourself don't sell yourself out you don't have to do that if it's something that you don't feel that that you should do you don't feel that you're gonna get uh anything out of it if it's gonna like you know make you you know make you appear a certain way that's that's not gonna help you then you don't have to do it it's okay to say no um and yeah that ties into mine like i (laughs) i learned how to say no (laughs) <laughs> I learned how to say no like like I, I forget who I'm trying to remember if someone told me that uh, I want to say it was Jay Fury I want to say that's who it was I want to say this was Jay Fury okay yeah that, are you familiar with him like he's a former Ring of Honor guy like he's from like he's he's like a Ring of Honor OG man yeah I, I know the name I don't never met the guy or anything like that but yeah okay, that's where I got that advice from yeah. That's that's good, man, because I think ultimately we all got to be, you know, like nobody's going to look out for us better than us, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's the final uh, question of 10 questions. <laughs> I appreciate you playing uh, on that. Before I let you go, uh, you mentioned you're not a big social media guy, but I always ask people before we wrap up if they are out there on social media where people can follow them. So, uh I will ask you that question. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Fred Yeha. I have a uh, Facebook, yeah, Fred Yeha. Uh, check out BACW Grudges. Uh, that's like that's like a new like little web show we have going on on YouTube. So yeah, check that out, man. We're 
We're doing some we're doing some things out there in St. Louis, Missouri. So yeah, man, check it out. BHW Grudges. Uh, I don't really have much of a social media like that, but you can go check it out. Watch me on Ring of Honor TV. Uh, watch me on New Japan Strong. Uh, check me out at AAW on Fight TV. Yeah, that's all my plugs, man. <laughs> and final reminder to everybody the weekend of july 3rd on ring of honor wrestling on tv tell them kill check your tell local them. listings your local sinclair station you will see for the ring of honor pure championship jonathan gresham versus fred yehi if you miss it over the weekend uh this coming weekend or even if you didn't miss it and want to watch it again it's uploaded uh monday july 5th uh on Ring of Honor Wrestling, or I'm sorry, ROHWrestling.com, Ring of Honor's website. And we do a little thing on Monday nights on Twitter. Uh, we use the hashtag WatchROH. And if you, uh, starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. So if you go on Twitter, use that hashtag. If you start watching at 7 p.m. sharp on the website, you can then tweet along and, as we say, watch along uh, with other Ring of Honor fans and with uh, Ring of Honor stars themselves. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, Fred, I, I really appreciate you giving me so much of your time today. I enjoy your work, and, uh, man, can't wait to see you and Gresham. I know you guys are going to kill it. Man, heck yeah. Thank you so much, Kev. I appreciate it. I apologize. I was a little fuzzy, man. I'm going off for, like, a little sleep, so I didn't have as much clarity, but thank you. I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's all right, man. You you fuzzy is, is better than a lot of people. Look, I, I'm not fuzzy. I, I had a good night's sleep, and I still, you know, I'm a little fuzzy myself, but I think that has more to do with age than it. <laughs> But uh, no, man, really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening today. And I want to remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, and read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH. Strong.